0: Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions, and thank you again so much for our time together. What a privilege to sit down with you every day and worship and pray and read the Word of God together. Words of life. Words that bring life. He sends His Word and heals us. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful in the world than sitting down and reading the words of an ever-living God. Now I'm gonna be doing things solo today. So I showed you my new setup so you'd understand. I've got buttons I'm supposed to be pushing when I cut in and out of here and when I want you just to see my whole head and when I want you to see the scriptures and when I want you to see both. So we're gonna be experimenting a little bit today and you're my guinea pig so please forgive me. I apologize in advance for mistakes but we're gonna be doing some learning and you know what, it's good to learn. All right, Psalms 91 recitation from one of our children. This is the foundational passage to just stand upon the faithful God's promises.
1: Hello everybody, Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Mosai will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the daily pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and battle. you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that by day. Nor the pestilence that stalked in darkness, nor the destruction that was at Nande. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your icon, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the weak. Because he holds because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The most high like who is refuge, No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near you, temptation. For he will command these angels concerning you to guide you and all your ways. Raised on their hands they will bear you up, that you strike your foot against a stone. The, you will tread on the lion and the other damn lion and the serpent. Because he holds fast to me in God I will deliver him, I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Psalms 91.
0: As we go to prayer today, I want to talk to all of you about settling in now. I think a lot of our disappointment because we've all walked this journey together And a lot of our disappointment has been, all right, in two weeks, we'll have a new announcement, and in two weeks, well, I I mean, it's just, uh, and it seems like a letdown every two weeks. I think the solution for that, my brothers and sisters, is that we just settle in. We just plan for this thing to be causing chaos until the end of the year. And so we sit down with our families and we figure out, how am I going to live? How am I gonna live with this thing around me? I mean, we are in the world. We're not of the world, but we're still in this world. So how do we plan our life and live as wonderfully as we want to live in the middle of this storm for the next few months? It's kind of like a typhoon. You can either fight with it or you can just go, okay, I'm gonna have to stay home for a couple of days. And uh, you figure out what you're gonna do for a couple of days. Now we've got months to figure out. So I wanna challenge you today, and I want us to pray that God will give us wisdom. What do you need to do? There's gonna be a lot of secondhand cars on the market. There are right now, a lot of repos in the banks. Good, good deals are available right now. I, one of the young people walked up to me and said, Pastor Samarad, did you know that you can buy the top of the line Santa Fe and they'll give you a Tucson free? I said, no, but I heard that you could buy the top of the line Santa Fe and they'd give you a sedan and a scooter free. Oh no, it's gotten better, now you can get a Tucson free. So there's lots of car deals. So maybe your family just needs to use some of their savings and invest in a car, not as a luxury, but as a thing of security these days to keep your seniors healthy, to keep the kids healthy. Maybe there are things that you need to do like put mosquito netting on the windows of the house so that you can save a little bit on electricity as the season gets cooler. There are some things that you need to sit down and prayerfully ask God, show me how to settle into this thing and live. Like I put together the new studio here at the house. We took a camera that we've had for a while and Brother John found some other parts like this stream deck that I showed you and we rearranged and I used a a roller board and five big books and put my screen up high and everybody, I didn't think that you'd notice that I'd use a suitcase and books, but I'm a DIY guy, okay? But please, let's let's figure out how to do things. Father, I come in Jesus' name. Your word promises that if any man lacks wisdom, we can ask of you, and you will give to us liberally and without reproach. Father, I humbly come, and as we bow our hearts before you, we ask you for wisdom. We don't know how long this thing is gonna last. We don't know what's coming next. And Jesus, you told us not worry about tomorrow because each day has enough trouble of its own. So Lord, we choose to live in the now, but we also have to figure out how the family can continue on and move and live. Give wisdom to each family, Father. Give wisdom to each family about what to do and how to settle in that the frustration levels will, will be broken in the lives of the family. Give the young people wisdom in what they can do to occupy themselves for the rest of the year. Give the seniors wisdom in what to do that they don't feel like their their life is over now and they can't do anything. Give wisdom, Lord, to all of the parents trying to figure out how to juggle the seniors and how to juggle the children and how to juggle their businesses and their careers. Give them wisdom in how to keep the family safe and secure. We know that this thing shall not come near our dwelling place but we also know, Lord, that we need prudence. Give wisdom to each of us, Father. Give wisdom to show us how to get our work done, how to continue to earn, how to continue to put food on the table, and how to prosper in these days. Lord, your promises did not take a vacation. Your promises don't take a COVID-19 vacation. Your promises are still true. Let your promises be fulfilled in the lives of your people and show them how, Lord. We, we come to you not, not just asking for your promises, but we come asking you how to do the things you want us to do, how to roll away the stones in this season, how to do our part of the miracles in this season. Give us wisdom, Father. We thank you for your goodness, and we, we thank you for your mercy, and we, we thank you for your compassion. But Lord, we, we ask now for wisdom, wisdom beyond ourselves. Wisdom that understands the next months ahead. Wisdom that takes them to an understanding of everything that will happen because you've already been there, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you. All right, let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. New Testament passage today begins in Romans chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. Now I know we're studying Romans in the evening services and really as I was preparing for morning devotions that's where I got the idea for this. All right, I just I looked at this and I thought you know in the middle of all of this chaos we need to strengthen our spiritual foundations. And the greatest spiritual foundation we have are the doctrines of salvation. And Romans just lays it out here for us and it's so incredibly beautiful. So we're gonna be learning and I'll be switching things and once in a while I might forget to switch and I'll be making some mistakes as I learn how to do this. So we'll learn this together, all right? But you know what? My father used to say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I disagree, but then I'm not an old dog. Romans chapter three, begin with verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. All right? The righteousness of God, but now, has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, now brothers and sisters, just back up and look at this for a minute. But now, okay, in this time, in this time, The righteousness of God, God's righteousness, has been manifested, has been revealed apart from the law. Now, now, forgive me, but for a Jew, that's hard to handle. A righteousness of God revealed apart from the law. And this refers to the first five books. Remember the Pentateuch. So they said, listen, apart from the first five books of the law, a righteousness of God has been revealed, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So in other words, the whole Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Penta is five, and all of the prophets. Now remember, David is considered a prophet, so the Psalms are a prophecy, okay, all of these things. The law and the prophets bear witness to this. So this is not a new religion. This does not equal a new religion. This is not a departure from Judaism. He said, listen, the law and the prophets bear witness to this. This is the revelation of God's plan. This is is not something new. This is an unveiling. This is an unveiling. of God's plan, God's eternal plan. Now, back it up and take it a step farther. whoops. The righteousness of God, verse 22, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, there is no distinction. Now, the righteousness of God, the source, through faith. Through faith in Jesus. Not through faith in the law. Faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe, so the condition? Faith. If it's through faith, it must come from faith. For all who believe there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile, say it better. There's no distinction, all have sinned. Now, again, even sometimes today with our own people, our Kabbalah, we're Gentiles. They say, well, I haven't done anything wrong, I'm a good person, by whose measure? See, that's the question. By, By whose measure? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all, and this is implied here, and all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a sermon all by itself. You are justified. Just as if... Never sinned. Now, again, you you have to understand, you are not just forgiven. Your record has been erased. See, you, you have to get a revelation of this. Do you remember the old Schwarzenegger movie, You Have Been Erased? I always use that as an illustration because literally in God's eyes, you have no past. If you come to God and say, God, do you remember when I stole 25 centavos from my mother's purse when I was five years old? God would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. You say, but pastor, God is God. He knows everything. Yes, but he chooses to forget. He's cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. You are justified, not just forgiven, not just cleansed and clean. You're justified. And notice you're justified by his grace, not the grace of a church, not the grace of a man, not the grace of a religion. You're justified by his grace and you receive it as a gift, okay? It's a gift. It is not earned. There is no penance that needs to be done for this. Justification is a gift. You pay nothing. You do nothing. There is no, no penitencia that you have to do. You are justified by His grace as a gift. And what's the source? Redemption. In Christ. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ redeemed you. Redemption is in Jesus. Now you gotta understand that. Redemption is not in a religion. You do not find redemption in a religion. Where do you find redemption? You find redemption in Christ Jesus. Now, this is just amazing stuff. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Now, the the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament actually uses this word propitiation for the mercy seat. Jesus is the mercy seat from the Old Testament where the blood was applied for the forgiveness of sins God put forward Jesus as the propitiation by his blood. Jesus, the mercy seat. By his blood, to be received by faith. We've already talked about that, the source is faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins, okay? God was patient. In Jesus, in jesus all the sins from all the past were taken care of god was very patient until the crucifixion and the resurrection all of those sins from all of eternity past was placed on jesus god just said all right i'm gonna i'm gonna be patient about this because there is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world i know everything about this plan of salvation i will just be patient until this is finished. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. See, God, just, he's a holy God, must punish sin. But he's also the justifier. (laughs) He's a mercy God. He erases our sins. So he shows his righteousness, That listen, I'm a holy God. This is what I expect, this is what I require, but I'm also a merciful God. I'm the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So again, notice there is a condition on all this beautiful uh, justification. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. We we can't brag that we have justified ourselves because we do the following one hundred things right, and we don't do the following one hundred wrong things. We 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 can't keep a, a scorecard. Okay, what is our boasting? So there's no score, no score, no scorecard. It is excluded by what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Now, that that. the law of faith. (laughs) See, there is a law that is even greater than the Old Testament law. And again, this would be very hard for the Jewish people in Paul's day to accept. But he said, it's not the law of works. He said, that law of works, there is something greater than the law of works. And that's the law of faith. Brothers and sisters, if it wasn't for salvation by faith, none of us would have our lives changed. We would all live in the guilt and shame of our sins. And Paul will get more and more into this as we go through the book of Romans. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to obey 500,000 different things. You're justified by faith, okay? Here's the great doctrine, justification by faith. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Now, you remember, every time Paul talks like this, he made the Jews mad. Since God is one, he will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Now, there's not a lot of difference there. But he tells the the circumcised, only by faith in Jesus are you justified, not by works of the law. And he tells the uncircumcised, put your faith in Jesus, because that's where your justification comes from. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. Now how can he say that? Go back to verse 21. He said the law and the prophets bear witness of it. He says, so why do you think that we're throwing out the law? Now now, brothers and sisters, you, you need to get a hold of this a little bit, okay? There are churches today that want to discard Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And really, they want to discard the entire Old Testament. Just say, only read the New Testament. And there are some churches that go so far as to say, only read the epistles of Paul. Don't read the the Gospels because Jesus was under the law. And it, it is such a misunderstanding of Scripture. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And he did. The law and the prophets bear witness of this beautiful justification by faith. Now Paul begins to prove that doctrine to them. Chapter 4, verse 1. What then, shall we say, was gained by Abraham, or our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Now notice, our, our forefather Abraham, he's before the law. So how could he be justified by the law? He said he, he'd have something to boast about. Yeah, because he was even before the law, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right, so salvation, salvation by faith is the eternal truth. Paul said, Abraham wasn't justified by the law, he's before the law, and he'd really have something to brag about, okay? But you know what, how was Abraham justified? He believed God. Faith in God is counted to him as righteousness. So if you you wonder how was Abraham saved? Salvation by faith. How was Moses saved? By faith. How was Isaac and Jacob saved? By faith. How was Isaiah saved? By faith, okay. All of those guys are saved in the same way we're saved today. There is not two pl- there are not two plans of salvation. There is one plan of salvation, salvation by faith. Now to him who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. And to the one who does not work but trusts in him who justifies the godly, his faith is counted as righteousness. <laughs> so faith In God is righteousness. That's how it's received. Just as David speaks of the blessing of the one in whom God counts righteousness apart from the works. And he begins to quote, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. Now, David... was saved by faith. David understood, I don't get this salvation because of my works. I don't get this forgiveness because of my works. I get this forgiveness because of grace. (laughs) Is this blessing only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Okay. How then was it counted to him? Before he had been circumcised, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. It was not after. He said, now listen, Abraham was saved by faith. And this is a revelation for some of these people to get into. Abraham was saved by faith before circumcision. Now, this was the big thing. This this was like the number one thing that the Judaizers wanted. When a person became born again, they need to go to the back room and get okay. I mean, they need to get circumcised right now. That, that That is necessary for salvation. He said, no, no, wait a minute. Was it counted to him before or after he was circumcised? Before. Okay. He received the sign of circumcision as a Seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that the unrighteousness would not be counted to them at all. Now listen, the, the blessings of Abraham come to Jew and Gentile if they believe, if they have faith in Jesus and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So he said, now listen, for, for the Jews, okay, there, there's something more here. He said, the Jews, you cannot just, not just circumcision. He said, you have to have a circumcision plus believe." Now to the Gentiles, just believe. Now, look at the humor of that. The Jews kept saying, you have to have faith and be circumcised, faith in Jesus and be circumcised. And Paul said, no, 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 no. it's the other way around. For the Gentiles, they just had to have faith. For you Jews, you've been circumcised, now you need to add to your circumcision faith. So he just turns the whole thing around on him. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
2: we I still remember the day you saved me, the day I heard you call out my name.
0: Let's pick up with our Old Testament passage now in Second Chronicles chapter 30. Now, all right, admittedly, I didn't switch back and forth as much as I'm supposed to switch back and forth, okay? So I, I apologize. We'll get better at this as we go. I've got to write with one hand and the computer's kind of acting up with my, my screen because it's a big touch screen and I think I've got a battery problem with my pencil that I need to get changed out. So we're having a few little kinks today, but we'll get this all worked out. Second Chronicles, chapter 30, verse one. Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. I like that. So the king leads the way. The king leads to God. Now, I like that. The leader uses his position to bring people to God. For the king and the princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had taken counsel to keep the Passover in the second month. Now, that's not the month it's supposed to be kept in. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number, nor had the people assembled in Jerusalem. So, all right, we, we see that Passover is postponed for two reasons. One, the priests had not consecrated themselves and two, the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. Now, okay, the people assembled in Jerusalem, okay, but the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number. Now, as we go through this passage and we did our reading yesterday, you'll notice how often spiritual leaders get in the way of a move of God because they don't take it seriously. And again, the priesthood did not take this seriously. And the plan seemed right to the king and all the assembly. So they decreed to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan that the people should come and keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel, at Jerusalem, for they had not kept it as often as prescribed. In fact, it had been ignored for many, many years. So couriers went throughout all Israel and Judah with letters from the king and his princes as the king had commanded, saying, O people of Israel, Return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may turn again to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to the Lord God of their fathers, so that he made them a desolation, as you see. Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourself to the Lord and come to his sanctuary. In other words, go to church which he had consecrated forever, and serve the Lord your God, that his fierce anger may turn away. Now notice three things he asked of these people. Number one, yield. Number two, come to church. And number three, serve. Those are three things he asks of the people. Yield yourself, come to the temple, and serve. Now, I think that's a good thing to say to everybody. Say, listen, let's get right with God. Let's yield to God. Quit fighting with God or rebelling against God. Let's come to God's house and let's make a decision to serve God. Maybe that's some good things for some of us to hear. Four, if you return to the Lord your God, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors. He said, listen, this doesn't just affect us. This has has an effect on the family. Whoops, I keep hitting the wrong thing with my hand today. It has an effect on family who have been taken away as captives. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face away from you. So we see God's character. So the couriers went from city to city throughout the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun but they laughed them to scorn and mock them. This is the response to a revival call. This is the response to a revival call. Now let me just talk with you about that for a minute. How often in my life have I seen Sincere-hearted people call to their families, let's go to God's house, let's, let's dig into God, let's seek God, in difficult times. And the families laugh at them. How many times have I seen men of God sincerely pour their hearts out in open-air crusades and, and cry out to God, to people to turn to God, and people laugh at them? See, this is the response of a hardened heart. This is the response of hard hearts. There, there's no softness in these hearts. There, there's no desire in these hearts for God. So they, they see a sincere cry of someone wanting to help them get closer to God and see the blessings of God upon their life and they mock them. However, some men of Asher and Manasseh and of Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. All right, now this is, this is the right response. to humble themselves. The hand of God was also upon Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes had commanded them by the word of the Lord. Now, let me just take this for a second. The hand of the Lord gave them one heart. People say, Pastor Summer, how do you know that this is something that God is really wanting the congregation to do? Well, one of the things I look for is, has God's hand settled upon the people? Before I got ready, and we talked about rebuilding main campus for several years, but before we ever really started, I waited. I waited until I could see the hand of God upon people. As I listened to the people talk, I could see that the people had one heart to do this project. The people were in one heart and one mind to do this project, and that doesn't happen because of vision casting. I, I don't even believe in that concept. That didn't happen because of vision casting. It didn't happen because you you stand up and you you talk to people and you motivate people. Motivation is an emotion and disappears like a puff of smoke. what What really brings a congregation's heart together is when God hand God's hand rests upon them to do something. like I look at the Crusades, not just the building project. I look at the Crusades. Pastor, how did you know that God wanted us as a church to go out and do these Crusades? I watched the people, I listened to the words and the hearts of the people. I could see that God's hand was upon them. Everybody had one mind to, to gather together and do this. This is this is an incredible leadership principle that you've just got to get a hold of. And many people came together in Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month. They set to work. <laughs> They set to work. They removed the altars that were in Jerusalem and all the altars burning incense. They took and threw away. So the people cleaned up, cleaned out the demon, cleaned out demon altars and threw them into the Kidron Valley. And they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the sixth month and the priests and the levites were ashamed <laughs> so that they consecrated themselves all right so now spiritual leaders spiritual leaders are ashamed Into doing right. Having trouble with my pins today. They took their accustomed posts according to the law of Moses, the man of God. Their accustomed posts. This is where they belonged. The priests threw the blood that they received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. Therefore, the Levites had to slaughter the Passover lamb for everyone who was not clean and to consecrate it to the Lord. For the majority of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover otherwise than prescribed. So, now notice what happens. So Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May God pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek the Lord, the God of his fathers, even though not according to the sanctuary rules of cleanness. Now, I want you to notice, there are people who do right things in wrong ways because of ignorance, and God has mercy. Now, you're you're gonna see this in church. You're gonna see baby Christians that do, they do the right thing, but they do it in the wrong way. And you have to understand, if they're setting their heart to seek God, God will pardon them, because God sees their heart. Even though in their ignorance they're doing it the wrong way, God sees their heart. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. And the people of Israel, who were present at Jerusalem, kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days, with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might to the Lord. Now I love that, singing with all their might to the Lord. Did you hear that? When you come to church, you don't sing. My soul. Find rest you sing with all your might you put everything you got into it i like that hezekiah spoke encouraging to all the levites who had showed good skill in the service of the lord so they ate the food of the festival for seven days sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the lord the god of their fathers then the whole assembly agreed together to keep the feast for another seven days so they kept another seven days with gladness For Hezekiah the king gave the assembly 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep for offering. And the princes gave the assembly 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep. And the priests consecrated themselves in great numbers. All right, so now spiritual leaders get in. (laughs) I remember back in the revival in the mid 90s, the hardest people to get in to the, the move of God were pastors and church leaders and i'm not just talking about cop i'm talking about everywhere in the world it it seems that spiritual leaders they'd get in last the whole assembly of judah and the priests and the levites and the whole assembly that came out of israel the sojourners who came out of the land of israel the sojourners who lived in judah rejoiced and there was great joy in jerusalem for since the time of solomon the son of david king of israel there had been nothing like this in jerusalem There'd been no move of God like this. Great move of God. Then the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy habitation in heaven. All right. The priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their prayer came to God's holy habitation in heaven. Pastors, we are to pray for God's people. Chapter 31, verse 1. Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke in pieces, the pillars cut down, the asherim broke down, the high places, the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. Then the people of Israel returned to their cities, every man to his own possession. Now, now what a beautiful truth there, brothers and sisters. The people showed the fruit of repentance. They showed the fruit of repentance. There was a change. And they didn't have to be followed up by spiritual leaders to do this. They just went out and did it. Verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of priests and of the Levites, division by division, each according to his service. And the priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings, to minister at the gates of the camp of the Lord and to give thanks and praise. The contribution from the king of his own possession was for the burnt offering, the burnt offerings of the morning and evening, the burnt offerings for the Sabbath, the new moon, the appointed feast, as is written in the law of the Lord. And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion to the priests in the Levites, that they might give themselves to the law of God. So here's the purpose of the tithe that they might give themselves to the law of God. They were to bring the portion due the priest, which is the tithe, so that they could give themselves full time to the ministry. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people gave in abundance the first fruits of the grain, the wine, the oil, the honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Now notice, tithing during the kings. This is a fruit of revival. Ah! Well, we're having fun with the screen today. I think basically it's a problem with the pin. So today I will go find some 4A batteries and get this done. The fruit of revival. And the people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of the cattle and the sheep, the tithe of the dedicated things that have been dedicated to the Lord their God, and laid them in heaps. And they began to pile up the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and the people of Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest who was in the house of Zadok, answered, since they began to bring the contributions to the house of the Lord, we have eaten and have enough and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed this people, and so we have this large amount left. So Hezekiah commanded them to prepare chambers in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them. And they faithfully brought in the contributions, the tithes, and the dedicated things. Now, I just want you to notice a few things about this passage. Number one, and I'm sure I'll get yelled at for this, but there are people that go around and say that we do not tithe anymore because the people of Israel stopped tithing when the kings came into place because the tax of the king replaced the tithe. What a foolish, foolish doctrine. Here we have a king who receives the taxes of the people telling the people to bring the tithe and telling the people to bring the tithe to the storehouse. Now, in that time they didn't have a storehouse in the temple, and so they had piles of excess. There was abundance in God's house so that the priests and the Levites could spend their time ministering. They had such an abundance, notice the heaps, the heaps, the heaps, that this is where Hezekiah built the storehouses. This is where the whole concept from Malachi, the storehouse, you know, you bring the tithes into the storehouse. These storehouses were set aside because God always expected his house to have plenty. Nowhere in the Bible do, do we see God's house living hand to mouth. The, the house of God lives out of its bodega, the house of God lives out of its storehouse. But it can only do that when the people of God bring the tithe and the offerings to the temple. They're not sending it wherever they want to go. They bring it to the temple where everything's handled properly, and that's the storehouse. So again, beautiful revival. And as a fruit, part of the fruit of revival was repentance and cleaning out the demon altars. Part of the fruit of revival was these people had not been tithing. They paid the taxes to the king, but they had not been tithing and God's house was in disrepair, and the ministers were not, forgive me, they weren't even ministering. The, the priests and the Levites weren't even around the temple. But once the heaps came in, once the tithe and the offerings began to come in, the spiritual leaders could spend their full time ministering unto the Lord and ministering unto God's people. So when you hear people say, oh, we don't tithe today because you know we, we pay government taxes, well, just understand how, how foolish that little doctrine is. All right, let's take a step farther. Uh, Verse 13. While Jael, Azariah, Naha, Ashil, Jeremoth, Juzabad, Eliel, Ishamakiah, Mahath, and Benaiah were overseers assisting Konahiah and Shemaiah, his brother, by the appointment of Hezekiah, the king, and Azariah, the chief officer of the house of God. And Kor, the son of Imnah, the Levite, keeper of the east gates, was over the freewill offerings to God to apportion the contribution reserved for the Lord and the most holy offerings. Eden, Menamin, Yeshua, Shemaiah, Amariah, and Shechaniah were faithfully assisting him in the cities of the priests to distribute the portions to their brothers, old and young alike by division. So notice, all the tithe was brought to Jerusalem And then from Jerusalem, it was redistributed into the cities, into the cities of the Levites. But first it was brought to God's house. In the same way, we bring the tithe and the seed in and then we take that money and often, like right now, we're supporting some of the branch churches because they have no services. Verse 16, except those who enroll by genealogy, males from three years old and upwards, all who entered the house of the Lord as duty of each day required, for their service according to their offices and by divisions. Now, again, the ministry could function fully because the tithe and the contributions were brought. The enrollment of the priests was according to their fathers' houses, that of the Levites from twenty years old upwards was according to their offices by their divisions. They were enrolled with all their little children, their wives, their sons, their daughters, the whole assembly, for they were faithful in keeping themselves holy. Now, that's the responsibility of spiritual leaders. They were faithful in keeping themselves holy. And for the sons of Aaron, the priests who were in the fields of common land belonging to their cities, there were several men in the several cities who were designated by name to distribute the portions to every male among the priests and to everyone among the Levites who was enrolled. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah. He did what was right and faithful before the Lord his God. And every work he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and he prospered. Now, brothers and sisters, just back up and get a hold of that verse. Everything he did for the house of God, everything he did in accordance with the law and commandments, everything he did seeking his God, he did with all his heart. Don't ever do something half-hearted. No half-hearted. No half-heart. Never do things half-heart. And notice what happens when you do things with all your heart? You prosper. All right. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock sharp.